Welcome to Education Suspended, a podcast focused on exploring, engaging, and dialoguing with those in education who are passionate about changing the status quo and evolving the archaic system we have inherited. Education Suspended is a production of Intricate Roots Educational Consulting Services. Our editor and production manager is Katie Kunin. Our producer is Jamie Higa, and our music is provided by Poets Row. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Education Suspended. Jessica Pfeiffer here, one of your co-hosts. Thanks for joining us. I hope you're all doing well. I got to say, this daylight savings thing, I know I should be used to it, but every time it's hard to adjust, especially when you have a little running around your house. But don't worry, we'll make it through. I just got back from Colorado. I was honored to be the keynote speaker at the Colorado Society of School Psychologists Conference. Saw so many familiar faces and so many people that I look up to and really admire all the work that they do. So definitely had my reward bucket filled, but it is good to be back home with the family. I miss them. It was a long trip. Okay, but let's jump into our episode. So today we connect with Barack Benemotes, who is the educational director of Flying Pig Farm in Manitou Springs. I have had the honor of visiting this farm and it is so cool. I can't think of a lot of districts out there that are taking a risk like this and thinking outside the box to meet the needs of their kids. And I say it in the episode, but honestly, if you ever have a chance to get to Manitou Springs, go see this farm. It's an acre and a half um, and they're using it in such a dynamic way with all their kids. And not just from that social emotional perspective, but truly from an academic lens of how to engage these kids in activities and in learning that is sticking. Barack was so fun to talk to. I think Steve and I both left that conversation inspired. He really highlights this theme of cultivation and care and different ways to do that by working with nature in that parallel process. He also really thinks about this this theme of regrowth and how helping students and educators connect to the land in essence really helps them connect back with themselves, which I think we're, we're really needing. And even Steve at the end of the episode just highlights that by just getting the kids outside, Barack has been able to find a new joy in teaching and the educators in his district have also experienced that, which is so cool. Barack, thanks for joining us. Um, it means a lot and thanks for all you're doing. Everybody, I hope this episode inspires you as much as it did us. Sit back and enjoy Education Suspended with Barack Benemotes. This is going to be a, a little bit different because, you know, typically Steve knows also a little bit about the guests that we're going to bring on, but today we're, we are co- totally immersing Steve in a brand new thing. I did a little homework. Oh, good. I did a little bit of reading and, and it, it twisted my mind because now I just, I'm just thinking in metaphors of trees and seeds and all this stuff. So look out. Oh, good. That's, that's where I want us to reside in this conversation. So that's perfect, Steve. Oh, good, good. Barack, I mean, honestly, we're super excited to have you here. I remember, oh, was that last year that I actually set foot on Flying Pig Farm? And and thinking to myself, well, two things. A, this is an absolutely amazing educational space. Like my mind was blown. And number two, we have to get Barack on education suspended. So here we are. (laughs) Almost almost a year later. So thank you for joining us. So we begin all of our podcasts the same. 
I'll remind you these if you forget, but I'll have you say hello and introduce yourself to all of our listeners. I'll have you tell everybody what you do, how you got there, and then connect anything back to your, your own educational experience. So I'll hand it off to you. Fly away. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's it's really great to be here with you and have a chance to speak with you on this podcast. You've had such a huge impact on our school district and on me personally and, and the work that I do at Flying Pig Farm. So it's good to have a moment. What I do at Flying Pig Farm is try to help students of all ages reconnect and remember their relationship with land and with food and draw upon that connection to build resilience in themselves and resilience in our community. Every day I try to create experiences where anyone from a first grader up to a soldier or a veteran and everyone in between can, can come and, and see inside of themselves a little bit of tenderness and connection that maybe they weren't feeling as aware of before they came. I feel really lucky that I get to do that at Flying Pig Farm. I've been involved here for eight years now. It's been quite a journey. You know, I, I bring a lot of students here, but the truth is I'm, I'm the student of the space. As far as my own education experiences, it's a funny question. I was a terrible student. I truly almost failed out of high school. I just was so focused on relationships with other people and wanting to have something to do to help and to be part of the system, part of the, the social system, that it, it really drained me to sit in these classes where the most important thing I could be doing was learning something for my own future benefit. It was just way too abstract for my teenage mind. And I would sit there and think, why am I learning about this thing that I do believe will be useful later on? You know, a, a sense of history or a proper term and grammar. I really think those things have value, but it was impossible to focus on them when I could see around me that some of my friends were in emotional distress, that I myself was, that our school could use more music, that the community and the local coffee shop was closing. I wanted to participate in those things. And I felt instead that I was really shut down. And so a huge part of what I'm trying to do here is help the school children remember and realize and be shown that they have value right now, just as they are, that they can contribute, that the, the plants and the animals at Flying Pig want them and need them to show up and bring their best, and that that has relevance to the world and has relevance to their lives, and that at the end of the day, they can bring food home from the farm and cook it with their family, and they're also contributing in that way. So a lot of what I'm trying to do is, is help build resilience by, by helping students experience their value in the system. I think it's super cool because you opened by saying you're trying to reconnect their relationship with the land. And at the end, you you brought it back to by doing all that, you're actually having them reconnect with themselves and find their value, which mm -hmm. is not not always a narrative for a lot of kids in school. I think there's probably a lot of students that feel the way you did of they're not connecting with who I am and school actually makes them feel disconnected for, for a variety of reasons. So I think that's pretty cool that that's a major thing that you're aiming for. 
I started teaching third graders right out of college and I was not certified as a teacher. I just taught at a charter school that needed teachers and I had a, a bachelor's and um, it just became clear really quickly that that for a lot of my students, they were just suffering. They were just suffering all day and it had nothing to do with the intentions of these amazing teachers that were all around them. I mean, school buildings are just filled with the most compassionate, creative, relationship building people who are putting so much effort into loving and growing children. There's no reason why a ton of really compassionate people should be working as hard as possible. And we're still having a lot of students just feel so isolated. I love the theme. I, I love kind of where we're going with this. I got a kick out of, you know, of Barack's farm experience because it sounded like when I read about you, Barack, that you, you had none. <laughs> I do have none. <laughs> and uh, I was that same, I was the same city kid who ended up on a farm in North Dakota. So I know what it's like to really connect for the first time. And uh, it sounded like it was magical for you. It, it was. I, I definitely did not have any experience with growing food or really taking care of animals from my childhood. I grew up in an amazing, creative, very academic household. Both my parents are professional artists and college professors. So the appropriate activities were like reading, doing art, practicing music. Those were what I was encouraged to do. It wasn't until after college that I started having encounters with small farms and realizing that that was part of what I had been missing. So it. when I say reconnecting, what I mean is that it's an inheritance. The stories of humans and the stories of land and the stories of food are all the same story. We're all participating in a great, a great inheritance. And that's what I mean when I say reconnecting is we're remembering things that our grandparents definitely knew and that our great grandparents definitely, definitely knew. And that this sort of attention to the land and co-nourishing or symbiosis with the land are just, they're inside of us. I was really curious when you talked about reconnecting, I was wondering how many kids are just connecting. And I was thinking of your experience that I read about and my experience as a young farm boy who is a complete rookie, that it was a connection I never really had before. So that's what I wanted to know. How many kids does this feel like brand new for? So this season, we've had about 500 kids come through the farm. And of those, there are dozens and dozens who have never eaten a plant from the ground, even though literally all plants come from the ground. So we'll look at a corn stalk and it has no relationship to a corn cob that they've gotten from a grocery store, probably in a four pack wrapped in styrofoam and cellophane or a radish, you know, which like when you pluck it from the ground has this amazing red sheen that's so stunning. And then they look at it and say, a tomato. And uh, it's, a, it's a surprising moment. And then what's great is I have some students who come here regularly 
twice a week for the whole semester. So they might start from that place, but very quickly they start to see the land in a different way. They start to ask about what the needs are that they're seeing of the different plants. What are the relationships between the different plants? What are the families out there? And as they make those connections, it's, it's stunning how quickly they move into the mindset of cultivation and care rather than sort of alienation. Barack, I missed this. How did you get into teaching? Like everything else, it was a sort of, it was a series of miracles disguised as unfortunate events. I went through school and I told you I, I really didn't enjoy it. And on my drive to college, I told my mom, Laura Benemotes, most amazing woman, I told her I'll study anything in college except for teaching. I absolutely refuse to go through all this schooling just to continue this messed up system. And then, of course, as soon as I got to college, my first class was called Designing an Ideal High School. And I had an amazing teacher, Kathy Green. She's a, an experienced educator and education professor. And she lives here in Colorado Springs and is on the board of Flying Pig Farm. And she asked the question of the class, what would an ideal high school look like? And we were all just out of high school. It was the most amazing question to ask us because we all had a lot to say. So within a week, it was clear that I was gonna stick with education for the rest of my life. When I came back to the Springs, I, I became an employee of Mountain Song Community School, a wonderful Waldorf charter school. And like I said, I was completely uncertified and inexperienced, and it was truly terrible. It was me and 25 third graders. And I was like a 22 year old anarchist. I like went in on the first day and I was like, I don't think that we need rules. Do you agree with me? And they're all like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, within a month and a half, we were all crying every day. <laughs> and uh, it was a real experience. And so then I went back and got my master's in teaching and took some time to student teach and then substitute teach and do field trips to the farm and just develop a little bit of my skill. And eventually, Mandu Springs School District 14 reached out and said, we'd like to work with you and your specific set of skills and interests and in Flying Pig Farm to provide an experience for those of our students who are showing that they need something different. And it was such a brave move on their part. I love that you said brave move because I was trying to figure out how I wanted to articulate that in our episode today of where do you have to be as a district to be able to think that far outside of the box? Now, A, you have to have the resources, right? So I appreciate you said right. just the mere location of where this district is does give you some rare opportunities. But even that, I live in the middle of Iowa where there are farms all over. The landscape is beautiful. And yet no one in our school district is thinking outside of the box of saying, huh, I wonder how we can get these kids more experiences with the land, help them reconnect with themselves. There was something extraordinary about the leadership saying something's got to shift a little bit. And they took a risk, Truly. right? I'd like to pivot a little bit because, uh, you know, we opened up the episode. I've shared, I have been to Flying Pig Farm, which is, especially in our podcast, we don't necessarily get to go everywhere that the guests work. But in your case, I've been there. There's two things that, that struck me. 
I think innately when you think about a, a space like a farm that's connected to a school, almost everyone wants to land the plane with it's very rich in its social emotional experience, mm. which no one can deny. But I think the thing that really stuck out for me was how well you were at su- succeeding at really actually embedding it from an academic perspective. These kids were learning content from that quote unquote academic perspective. I guess maybe describe the farm a little bit, but then let's jump into how are you also ensuring that it, that there's academic stuff happening because that's always the pushback, I think, in my right. experience. Right. It was a really fortunate caveat to the to my job that I needed to be an academic core teacher because it made a situation where we couldn't center ourselves only on the social emotional learning, which is sometimes a lot of pressure for a kid to come into a space. And it's like, this is a space for you to talk about your feelings. Oof, that's hard. So I was really lucky that I was framed first as a social studies teacher, then as an English teacher. And now I'm working with teachers from every department and every academic area to do field trips. First of all, just to describe Flying Pig Farm, it's about a, an acre and a half, and it's one of the few undeveloped flat areas in the town. And it's actually incredibly historic land. First, certainly a space where the Ute people would have come through as they were doing their, their travels across the Front Range and planting yampa and many other amazing native vegetables to share and feast on uh, throughout the year. Um, But then in in the late 1800s, a man named Everard Keithley was assigned to reforest Pikes Peak. And this little plot of land where Flying Pig Farm is right now was his nursery. Hundreds of thousands of trees were planted right where Flying Pig Farm is now, and then transplanted up onto the mountain. That's some of the gravity of the land. It's always been a space of regrowth and recultivation. We use it very differently because I have a a strong permaculture background. And so what I'm working on is creating a situation in which a lot of different plants can thrive together and where they can all be interconnected, interplanted, and where we have sort of a polycultural approach to cultivating food. I try to make sure that nobody has to grow alone here. Everybody gets to have a lot of companionship. So that's just a a little bit of a picture of the space. We also have goats, chickens, ducks, bees, wild rabbits, wild turkeys, garter snakes. So I bring academic groups down from the school. For instance, we had the math class who were studying proportional drawing. They had just spent an entire unit where they were working on developing the skill of scale drawing. Let's say there's a building that's 100 feet high. How are we going to draw that on a piece of paper that's only 11 inches tall? Well, we're going to have to scale it down. We're going to have to say that every 10 feet of the building is one inch on the paper. And they went through this. They, they learned the skill from their amazing math teacher who I, I've learned so much from. And what she approached me with is, I wanna take them to do a real life assessment of this skill. 
for their final test, instead of having them sit in the classroom and struggle with a piece of paper, I want to take them to the farm where there are a ton of things that need scale drawing. And I just want them to practice at the farm. And that will be their final assessment. And so she brought her classes down. Every seventh grader in Manitou Springs School District came through. And instead of sitting in a classroom to test this skill, they were handed a piece of paper and a tape measure and told to go measure the fence line of the farm. And it was the most fun couple of days. And all of these students who had not gotten it, all of a sudden it sort of clicked for them because it was, it was not as abstract. Even those students who, who were still struggling with the concept had a great day. We also had a, an environmental studies class who came down and studied our compost piles, did soil testing, checked for what microbes are living in there. We write ghost stories on the farm for language arts classes. We study the migration of humans by looking at the movement of seeds and how tomatoes made their way from Central and South America over to Spain, over to Italy, and then ultimately back to New York. And the way that that informs us about human history and colonialism and also the great connecting power of seeds as they travel across the globe. I was thinking all along of all the teachers that listen to this podcast that don't have a flying pig farm to go to, but there's got to be something they can do. But again, you, you have the land, you, you got the place. How could you start? You want to get back to this whole connection to the land. Where would a typical place start? It would make sense to start with the land that you're at. Wherever we are, even if it's covered in concrete, it's still living and it's still land. The first step is really stepping outside of the building and looking around and asking what are the needs and what are the lives that are living right around us? What plants and animals have their home here alongside us? And then how can I connect with them in a way that's relevant to our academics. And I think it's not that much of a stretch. I really think that the animals and plants continue to be around us despite our efforts to drive them away. Their self-expression invites learning. It invites real academic learning and raises real academic questions that we should be asking our students and having them help us with because we, we do need help. So I wanna go back I'm sorry that I'm ruminating on my on my visit to your farm. So I remember pulling up. You weren't quite there yet. Walking around this space, being like, <laughs> I didn't mean to say that because you were late. You weren't. But like, I love that I had a few moments that came out wrong. <laughs> I won't cut that because well, I'm always late. It's just funny because there are people wandering around the farm every day waiting for me to. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay, so I'm definitely keeping that in. So I was wandering around, looking at this land, thinking, holy hell, this is wicked cool. And one thing that I I found, and you had you and I had a good conversation was, is that you started your, your career as, um, you know, creating anarchy with a group of third graders. And then here you are at in this new space, which you seem to be having this realization of like, okay, well, how do I find the balance? 
how do I continue to give power and control to these students that everyday power and control is taken away? Then at the same time, how do I recognize from a developmental perspective as the educator that having the right amount of power control is also really help healthy? How have you found that balance as an educator in that space? It continues to be a challenge for me, to be honest with you. It's something that I think I'll always be working with as a balance because I trust them very much. And not that I think they aren't going to make mistakes or, you know, treat each other badly sometimes or ignore things that they really should have paid attention to. And now they're going to have to confront that later on. At the end of the day, I just have no interest in controlling children. And so it's a challenge because they deserve the support of the adult that's in the space. And sometimes that support is really difficult for me to provide. A lot of what I'm thinking about these days is respecting capacity. I really want to self-improve, but I also really want to position myself in a place where my strengths are as relevant as possible and my weaknesses are not disrupting other people's experiences. So what I have done is moved from being a classroom teacher, which demanded a lot of structure and rhythms to support these students so that they know what's coming the next day, so that they know what the boundaries are, so that they can exist within those boundaries comfortably. And instead, I took myself and moved out of the building. And now I'm full-time here at Flying Pig Farm, welcoming students, and they're coming here with their teachers. Their teachers who are providing that daily rhythm and that daily support are still available to them. But their experience at the farm can be a unique moment where they encounter a different kind of rhythm and a different kind of expectation. And hopefully that I, for their teachers, can, can provide some relief and maybe a little bit of modeling too. I mean, I learn so much from their teachers, but I think also that I that I provide some learning for them of what it looks like to open our hands and hold it a little more loosely and accept that there are going to be tomato plants that get stepped on, whether we're upset or not. Well, you said trust. And I think that was one of the words I was hoping that you would use mm. by you finding that balance of what is appropriate to give them that power and control. That's what I saw Barack is that you trusted them so much and they in turn return that trust. And, you know, I was there for a full day and the amount of progress these kids got done, it was phenomenal. It was all in the context of a reciprocal experience. It was consistent give and take, give and take mm. um, between you and your students. And that's a lot. That's emotionally exhausting. I love kind of your personal journey. And I hope a lot of us teachers listen to it because you explored and dug and experimented and you've have kind of found your teaching soul on an acre and a half of land in Manitou Springs. I think that's what a lot of us teachers don't do. We don't keep looking and digging and finding who we are. When the kids come out, how, how good of a regulator is nature? It's an amazing regulator. It's an amazing regulator. I mean, I was handed some of the students who were the most difficult for the teachers and administration to find solutions for because all day long, every 10 to 15 minutes, there was a highly disruptive behavior that that student was exhibiting. And I was lucky enough to 
to be the person who who the district said, hey, why don't you spend a little time with this student? Why don't we put them in your class? And, and it's not that the disruption stopped, but the carefulness that nature demands of its inhabitants really affected those kids. I'll give a, an example. We have goats here at the farm. We have four. They're so sweet. Lou, Shai, Nanai, and Anana. And one of them, Nanai, his name means cuddles. And he'll cuddle any kid, no matter how dysregulated they are, no matter how loudly they're shouting, no matter what kind of insulting language is coming out of their mouth, he'll walk right up to them and just demand some butt scratches. That's the best, you know, it's just a low bar for engagement. But once the kid, you know, lays hands on that goat, their focus, their ability to communicate just improves massively because now they're connecting with another being. Meanwhile, Lou, at the other end of the spectrum, she is terrified of people. The only way to get to, to pet her is through extended, calm, quiet courtship. So, of course, all the kids want to pet Lou. And so I don't have to do anything to teach them about physical boundaries, about using gentle language. When they want to connect with this animal and the animal is saying, I will not connect with you until you regulate yourself. That's the best, man. They, they just, they learn it. The kids learn it. I have a, a daughter and son-in-law who work with neurodiverse young adults and some children in Albuquerque. What's becoming a huge part of their work is farming. It's been magical. Are you finding that true as well, that you can do some really great work with a neurodiverse population when you connect them to the flying pig farm? That has been one of the great joys of this school year, because for the past six years, I was teaching in the classroom and the farm was the bonus but now i'm based at the farm and i'm bringing so many people through and several of those groups have been of neurodivergent adults people who just graduated from high school and are now in a transitional program where they have a few years of support from the school district to go out into the community and learn and have some career training and it has been the joy of my autumn to have this group every Monday morning who comes and have different mobility and have different forms of self-expression and who just show up and have so much enthusiasm for especially cooking. Cooking has just been sort of a pillar for the neurodivergent group that I've been working with where we go out into the garden and we harvest a ton of tomatoes and basil and peppers, and then we chop them up and we make a tomato sauce. And then we all sit around and dip bread in the tomato sauce and just marvel at the wonder of what we accomplished. The joy that I experienced with that group is helping me access more joy in the rest of my week. You just said, um, it's been the joy of my autumn which I thought was, that sounded beautiful. And I immediately thought of, you're also finding what well, sounds like you're finding more joy in teaching again, right? You're bringing mm. the joy back in to this beautiful art. And Grainer and I talk about that all the time with guests, right? Of like, in so many ways, sometimes that joy feels as though it's 
slowly seeped out of something that should be so rich in pleasure and we've lost it in so many ways ways in education so it's just beautiful to hear how you're finding that again and reconnecting to that joy i feel blessed yeah i feel really blessed one thing i when i read about the farm and about barack I was really impressed by the exchange of seeds. That was a, a big thing. Like there's a, a celebration of life where everyone exchanges seeds. What I really appreciate is we've been able to do that this morning. It feels like the three of us together have really been able to exchange seeds. I appreciate you bringing up seeds because at the end of the day, that's what I'm all about. And when you asked earlier, what, what can people do? What can teachers do? That's another thing that I think has to be just brought to the forefront is plant some seeds. And I'm talking about literal seeds. I mean, we're all planting metaphorical seeds, definitely, but seeds are the abundance of the land. Every plant that's producing seeds is making dozens and dozens of seeds per plant, many of them hundreds of seeds per plant. And that's because those seeds need to be spread out and given a chance, and many of them will never sprout. But the ones that do are carrying us forward into the future. And that's what seeds mean to me. And that's what a seed exchange is about for me, is saying, look at this abundance. Let's share. And let's try to recreate this abundance next year and in a decade and in 50 years so that the abundance grows and grows and nourishes humans and all the other elements of our beautiful world. It all starts with seeds. Beautiful. Beautiful. What a, what a gorgeous analogy about education. Barack, I can't thank you enough for your time. This interview has been so good for my soul. Man, every time I run into you, I just it's just good to connect. But I am truly grateful for you giving us your time. And I genuinely hope that you understand how impactful you are on your students. It is they are so lucky to have you and Flying Pig Farm. To anyone listening who happens to be driving through the great state of Colorado, I encourage you to go check this place out. Find them. Well, it's just in a beautiful part of the state anyway. Visit it and see the amazing work being done with these students in that district. Brock, you're the best. <laughs> you're the best. <laughs> you're the best. Thanks so much, you guys. What a great way to wake up on a Saturday morning. I was really scared this morning when I fell asleep at one in the morning about this 8 a.m. podcast recording. But I have to say, it's been the best start to a day. You're right. both so inspirational. And I can't wait to listen to the rest of your podcast. Yeah, it'll be great. And we should have set the scene. You know, Barack is actually out on his on his patio overlooking the farm and it's freezing. So he's all bundled up. <laughs> he is a man of the earth. He's a man of the earth. Truly. Or a man with too many people in his home on a Saturday morning. So. <laughs> Whatever you want to say. Anyway, Barack, thank you so much um, for being here and keep, keep doing the work. You're doing awesome stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much.